Shouldn't I care more about the health and safety of the planet than whether or not I'm on a series for Netflix? (laughs) I do. Hello, I am Ed Begley Jr. and I'm willing to do anything to help the planet. I love taking public transportation for just about any journey around LA. I'll even ride my bike to power a toaster oven. And of course, I love my wife. And I'm Rochelle Carson Begley. I haven't touched a bike since, well, it's been a while. I'm a bit of a reluctant environmentalist. However, I do love Ed. We don't have all the answers, but we do want to make a difference. Hopefully you will learn a little from us. And more importantly, we hope to learn from you. Because collectively, you know way more than we ever could. So we invite you along for the journey we call Begley-esque. Podcast to help you live a sensible, sustainable life, protect the environment for the future, and of course, save money. And survive the craziness of living with an environmentalist. In this week's episode, our lovely friend, actress Sharon Lawrence, joins us to talk about cleaning the oceans, women in media, and much more. Stay tuned. Support for Begley-esque and the following message come from Wonder Capital, allowing individuals to invest in solar projects. Earn up to 8.5% annually while diversifying your portfolio and combating global climate change. Create an account at wondercapital.com slash Begley. Wonder Capital, do well and do good. Hello, folks. Thanks for joining us uh, another episode of Begley-esque. Today, we have our good friend, longtime actress and activist, Sharon Lawrence. And I have to say, I'm just going to say this. In the last 10 years that I've been really in the forefront, not the forefront, I can't go there. Ed is at the forefront of the environmental movement. I just tag along. But having tagged along for all these years, you are always there. And I want to just commend you for your commitment because not everyone does that. They show up for their choice things here and there, and then they disappear, and you are consistent. So Ed is going to talk more about you, but I just wanted to give my two cents. Thank you. That's worth a lot to me. We love you, Sharon. You have been there throughout for a long time. We first worked together, you and I, back in the 90s, 95 or something like it, wasn't it? 94? When, on, on the, the Shaggy Dog? Shaggy Dog, the <laughs> Disney, yes. that classic Shaggy Dog. Was there was a remake of the It was the a remake, original. that's right. Yeah. But you were wonderful. Yeah. So were you, honey. And you recognize Sharon <laughs> my from husband. NYPD Blue, Desperate Housewives, Shameless, Grey's Anatomy, Rizzoli and Isles. And you're also uh, very much involved in a lot of environmental organizations I care about, like Heal the Bay, Global Green, Greenwish, World Wildlife Federation. So bless you for all that. Thank you. You know, so like I said, you know, you are the go-to environmentalist in this town. You know, you uh, and Ed, but there are a handful, and I don't know that that's your only passion, Green, but it is a one of the main ones. So what inspired you to join the environmental movement, per se? I wasn't so much thinking about joining an environmental movement as following something that had been ingrained in me since I was a kid Mm -hmm. because of great programs like Girl Scouts. That's really where I first... Me too. Yeah. I was never a Girl Scout, but... There's a reason for that. Yeah, sure there was. (laughs) And I consider myself so lucky that Girl Scouts was... Not just a value that my parents had, Girl and Boy Scouts, but that the values of that program back, you know, when I was part of it in, you know, late 60s as a brownie all the way through my high school years, was uh, not just about the environment, but about stewardship. Yes. About participation, about leadership. So they all were kind of downloaded 
into my understanding of just being in the world. And it never really felt like a stretch for me to quote unquote, get involved. It was part of the way I filtered the world anyway. Mm -hmm. And then because my family also camped, I knew that I felt connected to the outdoors. And I had lived in New York right after school, right out of college, and didn't have as much of a chance to to really watch what was happening mm-hmm. to the environment. I wasn't paying that much mm-hmm. attention because frankly, at those early years in my 20s, everything was about what I was really focused on, which mm-hmm. in New York was, you know, getting a job, paying rent. And in that stage of life, you're, you're influenced by what's right in front of you. And I'll never forget being in my little dark apartment and hearing about an actress that I admired very much who wasn't the queen that she is now, but I knew that she was someone whose whose artistry captured my attention. That actress's name is Meryl Streep. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about Alar. Alar. The apple what what was happening right. with the apples. And for those of you, uh, of the listeners that might not understand that, it was a, a pesticide and a treatment of those trees. And Actually, it's even worse than that. It's not really even a pesticide. It just makes them look prettier. Yeah. It doesn't kill any bugs. <laughs> it makes them look more Shiny, uniform. Right, they put something? it on. There, it's yeah. a highly toxic Coating. substance. Yeah. They put it on. Put the, put it on the apple orchards. They would spray it, and it would make them look better to sell more apples. Right. So the thinking went. And Meryl said, "You know what? I don't mind if apples aren't perfect looking." I just want them healthy. And she went out there with the, uh, I think it was the National Resource Defense NRDC Council. NRDC, NRDC is which is, that's how I learned about Al Meyerhoff, that. that's right. Right. And because she was a mother and feeding these apples to her kids, she was getting more conscious about mm-hmm. what was happening in the world. Now, that, that was, I'm sure, part of her big awakening and journey. And she was paired with the National Natural Resource Defense Council, which I thought was such a new way or an important way to look at these issues because it was about lawyers understanding that they could Mm -hmm. take on industry. So I then understood that someone who has a high profile with their Mm -hmm. artistry could grab the attention of somebody who might not be paying attention otherwise. That wasn't me at the time. I was a chorus girl, you know, working my job as a waitress and maybe, you know, finding my way to an audition that that opened another door for me to then become a working actress, to then spend some money by supporting NRDC. And then I started Mm -hmm. reading more about what they were doing. And I got an education about advocacy and how it can be more organized and powerful if you are working with systems that require expertise, like changing policy. Right. So that was another step in my understanding. And then I became a scuba diver. Me too. So, I'm a, you're a Patty diver? And yes. Me yeah. too. And I was a spokesperson for Patty for a while Good because we were really working on beach cleanups um, that people hadn't understood at the time, underwater beach cleanups. And people, you know, on shore don't mm-hmm. get a chance to see what's really going on with the oceans. And they haven't had the privilege of recognizing not only is trash unsightly, but the toxicity of our oceans and the acidification of the oceans really are a harbinger of what's happening on the rest of the planet. Absolutely. Correct. And then from there, I um, hosted some specials about dolphins and understood just more about how other countries are overfishing and the reef degradation. So my reach and understanding became more 
universal in, in just how, how it's affecting all the planet. And I started going to events that Heal the Bay uh, mm-hmm. was holding. And now I'm on the board of Heal the Bay. Right, right, right. And I think that's how... You're correct. That's how, one of the many I, ways we've connected right, over the years. That's right, right. Sharon. I knew of your passion and you were walking the walk. And because we all understand that it's all connected, when we would run into each other at different events mm-hmm. and then when you and Rochelle were, were not just working on your show, but actually approached my husband and I about what mm-hmm. we might be doing in our home environmentally. Mm-hmm. Um, and you came to see the... Bless in you Idaho, for Idaho, 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 there, yes, the beautiful property yeah, in Idaho. Right, I love how it up we there. were making some, some changes there. We understood that the way you're using media is so powerful because a picture is worth so much more than just you know, a document on a page. And this and conversation is, is important, yes, because media is, right. how, well, we are artists. And I want to so revisit this- that episode because you were right and I was wrong back then about, I was concerned about something that we perceived as toxic because there was toxicity when you would install this the foam. foam. Mm. But it's like saying salt is toxic because it's sodium and chlorine. Both are, you put them together, it's instantly inert right after you spray within an hour or two. It's the best, we have that kind of foam in our house today. Yeah. You were way ahead of the curve there with that foam. A great, great product. So you're a visionary, Sharon, you really yeah. are. And uh, that's what we all need to do, stuff that's cost effective, that can help clean up the environment, you know, save us money. It's everybody wins when you do it this way. And uh, you've been doing it, putting it into practice for so long, Sharon, it's really admirable. Well, thank you. And and the inspiration that you provide, when I saw your show and what you were doing, that was a conscious choice. We, it's so easy to think that we don't have choices. Oh, it's yes. so easy not to right. explore choices. I can't do anything do because a, so the foam is toxic. Yeah. No, it's not really toxic. It's going to be totally inert when you put it in. I can't do it because the solar panels make pollution. There's pollution. There's toxic elements in solar panels. Okay, but how much toxicity is there in a solar panel where that toxicity is sequestered behind glass and other elements? And how much toxicity is there in burning coal or using crude oil and all those other refined and crude products? Much, much more. You've got to do what you can to lessen the impact. And that's that's what you're doing and that's what we've tried to do right and you know there there'll be choices that you realize might not work out as well as others and you can't be afraid of taking a risk and 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 something maybe doesn't work out because right. then there'll be another better version of it down the line and you will f- actually be able to inspire somebody else and yourself probably most importantly to keep that value to keep your eye on the ball it takes work but that's really the only way that we will build critical mass of demand for products. Mm-hmm. Right. And recognizing that there's an economic viability in it. Green jobs will only be viable if there's a demand for the product. If we are, as a, as a municipality, um, Heal the Bay, we talk about this all the time, is how do we create better water, water policies? A lot of people mm-hmm. have heard about the amount of rain that we're getting this year in in Southern California, Northern California, everywhere. And while it's a a relief in some ways, it doesn't mean our drought is over because we're not really able to capture that water quite yet because we haven't really made it part of all the home building and all the development that literally builds that into systems. 
whether it's storm drain runoff that municipalities need to find better ways to handle, or I know you've got rain barrels, you have your own way to capture your rain. We've invested in one too. And it would be great if that was something that was just a given, that we didn't assume that we won't ever get rain again, but we have to assume that the temperatures aren't going to be uh, low enough to create snowpack. So we need to find a way to hold that water when we're getting it. And I think that Heal the Bay's been very progressive about very progressive. that. Very progressive. They've been the, leaders. And, right, and Andy really Lipkis, proud. a tree people too, Andy mm-hmm. contends, and he has some experience with capturing rainwater, he contends we could meet half the water needs of Los Angeles by capturing our rainwater in two important ways. One, the way we're doing it here, mm-hmm. and we used to do with just rain barrels. Now we have a rainwater tank buried underground, 10,000 gallons of storage. You store it in that way if you can. And also, you put it into permeable surfaces where it goes down and does what it's been doing for millions of years, back down the water table where you can use it. Half of the demand of L.A. and water could be met by rainwater. We're just letting it go out in that concrete Mm -hmm. channel, out to the ocean, and that's so much water. we got to capture it. You're right, Sharon. Right. Not only is it it flowing into the ocean and being wasted, but it's polluting. So it's taking all the oil. It's taking all the plastic and the oil and the dog droppings and all kinds of other bad things right out to the ocean. It's bad in a number of ways. You're right. Which is why Heal the Bay is paying so much. That's how we got started in paying attention. First, it was cleaning up just the trash on the beach. Right. Right. And if you go to a a California beach, it's in Santa Monica Bay, that whole bay, you'll see... a fairly clean Amazing. beach. Amazing. For how many for people? 30 years, yeah. woman named Dorothy Thanks Green. Thanks to Dorothy who, Green yes. and Heal the Bay. You're right. right. Felicia Marcus and those heroes you right. know, that were doing that. And there's a consciousness about that. And we do beach cleanups. Mm-hmm. Your company, your Girl Scout or Boy Scout troop, your school, your church and civic group can come and, and do their own beach cleanup, which is great. But what we also have recognized is now our science is so good that we can see the toxicity right. of the of the ocean water after a big storm and quantify it right and keep people out of the water but what we need to to do is keep that water where it should be which is falling straight down Mm -hmm. into the water table being soaked so all this urban planning when you're thinking about voting for your representatives or ballot measures understanding that urban urban planning involves water involves these choices that can be at the top of your list when you're thinking about how you're going to make your decision and how cities are going to make their decision, and how voters are going to make their decision. You know, the Army Corps of Engineers for years was the bad guy in L.A. They just wanted to throw more concrete at the problem and channelize and get it out of the ocean for, to save life and limb from back in the 30s. I understand that. But now we know more. The spreading basins, the Balboa Park kind of areas where you can let it gurgle over a big area rather than this concrete channel where a swift water rescue navy seal level person could barely you know get out of that channel it's it's dangerous for anybody right the la river you're talking about right which is where a concrete river (laughs) you have it spread out you start upstream out there in the san fernando valley and elsewhere and you begin to de-channelize the bottom maybe all of it in some places like balboa park and you break that up and let it start to percolate down and you do it in more important ways with businesses you know commercial properties and residential to let that water go back to where it's been going for millions of years back in the groundwater. And Heal the Bay has been a leader. And you remember what it was like back in the 90s, early 90s, or maybe before when you started back in the 80s, those beach ratings would be Fs and Ds and Ds and Fs. And now we've got a lot of As, Mm -hmm. a few Bs, there's rarely, are there any C's anymore? Only right after a rain, of course, then mm-hmm. you have a bad number. But as far as a, a day-to-day rating for a year, these beaches have been cleaned up because of you and Dorothy Green and all those wonderful people that did what they did at Heal the Bay. Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Right, right. Amy Smart. We work yep. with 
um, LA Department of Sanitation. We work with public policies. All I mean, that's our, just like NRDC did. We have understanding of how systems work and how to organize it. And, and it takes a, a whole group effort and citizens that come and support us because they care about, about the Bay, but their contributions really matter. Right. Not just with their dollars, but how they're reporting what's going on with the beaches and how they care about land usage and our beautiful little aquarium that is under the pier, under the Santa Monica Pier, which we bus in kids from all Mm. over the counties, various counties. Mm -hmm. We bus in about 30,000 school kids every year. We're going to be enlarging that um, beautiful aquarium, which teaches people hands-on because we have our sweet little tidal pools that allow Mm -hmm. you to, inside the the building, to see what an ecosystem looks like with the urchins and with all that beautiful sea life that's right right there. It's our ocean neighbors that we're bringing into this facility. And um, I'm excited that we are now going to have a big upgrade because the pier is is actually getting a facelift. So so will our Long overdue, new that pier. It's right. been there since I was right. a kid. No, and- that's awesome. And you know, it's if you travel, which I know you do, you know, we're so lucky because we're really involved in cleaning up and we have so much celebrity and money here that we go out there and really clean up the bays. But if you travel anywhere outside yeah. of this country or in this country, it's horrifying the amount of plastic pollution that is in our oceans. And the, you know, I mean, I guess it's sun, uh, sunscreens that are killing. I don't know all the chemicals. It's that a death are, of a thousand cuts yeah. for the coral reefs and other things. The sunscreen and the warming of the water and the, the plastics. The, and uh, the, acidification it's all really hurting our coral reefs so bad and ocean in general i think they said by by 2050 there'll be more pounds of plastic in the ocean than fish wow yes and usc and the monterey aquarium mm-hmm. and scripps are that's just some of the the these california based mm-hmm. institutions that are working really hard on being able to quantify this Globally, it is, it's a tragedy right. in many places now. Right. We don't see the effects as much, but if you were in a South Sea island. Oh, yes. I, we were there last year. You would see it. And yeah. uh, there, there are heroes out there that are trying to make big differences. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, a guy in India and Pakistan who's seen all this plastic that washes up on their shore because just where they are in the, mm-hmm. in the Gulf Stream. And... These are choices that we we are going to be forced with probably sooner than we are taking action to reverse it. Right, right. And I don't know how to live without plastic yet, but mm-hmm. I I do know that unfortunately, when people are assuming that government regulations are the evil, I don't. I think sometimes that's really the only way to create big big change. Huge. Yes, I agree. Because we can't just put ourselves on a diet of no plastic without finding other alternatives. Right. I mean, how, how do you get an entire culture to cut it back voluntarily? You start with one thing, like the plastic bag ban. You right. go, no As more of that, did. because yeah. we got by, I'm old enough to remember uh, having a life before there were plastic bags given away for every stack, uh-huh. stick of gum and every you know uh, greeting card. You got, a, you got a bag for all that for years. And now we're going back to the, you know, the way it was when I was younger. You don't need a plastic bag with everything. You bring your canvas bags, you make other plans, and life is possible without plastic bags. And we've discovered that that's viable. So 
those economic incentives are important. The legislation is important. And, and that's what it took to get that bag banned. Because people didn't want to give yeah. it up voluntarily. They didn't want to give it up. No. They want to use it as their poop bags yeah, for their dogs. Exactly. And, and that doesn't even biodegrade. You know, you can get those where they I know, I've do heard as biodegrade. Much. And yeah. that's why I, I, you know, it depends on who you vote for. These these League of Conservation voters, and it's important. If you care about this stuff, you've got to stand up for candidates. That make it a priority. That's what we have to do now to eliminate as much as possible of that single-use plastic. You know, Mm -hmm. that's the thing that we really don't need nearly as much of. I think we can get by without any single-use plastic if we set our mind to it. Because people have this delusion about the oceans. Well, we'll just go in and clean it up one day. That's like saying you could get a little hand sieve and clean up the Sahara Desert. You know, get all the right. detritus. It's impossible in that way. And but also, they're not connected to it. They don't get it. They don't get it. They don't get the size of it. They also don't get that if you skim the whole ocean, if you're able to do that somehow, you'd skim up all the life from the top of the ocean. Yes. And a lot of it isn't just on the top. It's down right. the middle and the bottom. So how are you going to get to all that? You can't. You have to eliminate the flow of so much single-use plastic. And that's what we need to set our mind to. And I think it's possible. But first and foremost, we have to start caring. So, And we do. And we are the sort of the mouthpiece for this because we're in the media. And, and you know, in our episode with Jeff Goldblum, we talked about how Hollywood is trying to be more green and God knows we needed to clean up our own backyard for sure and sending scripts online and recycling. Have you seen improvements in this area on sets? And where, yeah, you know. I have. Um, I seldom hear about script delivery anymore. You know, it used to be that your script would show up <laughs> at your front door. Always, a teamster right. would come with right. a little package and there's right. your script. Right. So not only is it a waste of paper, but a waste of all that carbon, you know, that they were driving. But didn't you feel important the first time you got one? (laughs) I felt so important for a minute until I got on the set and realized how unimportant I actually was. But (laughs) yes, you, it is, um, it's, it's part of the luxury that, that we don't need, that we just don't don't need need anymore. So we get it electronically. Right. Right. Um, I understand that that, 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 makes it harder for you know security re- not security what do i want to say no if you want to yeah so that scripts copyright don't fall, copyright yeah. issues yeah, yeah. that's the kind of security mm-hmm. i'm talking about yeah. but there are codes now there are ways they figured out how to they protect the material they figured out how they could write it diagonally in yeah, very light right. lettering sharon lawrence that's ed begley right. so if it winds up in the internet and michelle they, carson possibly in one day in the near that's entirely <laughs> possible honey that infomercial that's big, okay. honey give me an infomercial any day okay you could, okay. like, uh, you could be like you could be like Suzanne Summers. Suzanne Summers with get, a thigh master, honey. Honey, please, from your mouth to God's ears. It can't Suzanne be made Summers. from plastic. No, that's right. Not at all. Absolutely, certainly not um, single use. Yeah, so that you know they are doing things, and I. I but there obviously is lots of room for improvement. Yeah, but I also see recycling of the paper that they do use mm-hmm. on script uh, on on set. They're very good about that. They are. I see. And bottles and cans when they do that. And the lights, the kind of lights they use in a set now are much more energy efficient. They've come a long way from those old, you know, high wattage, Mm -hmm. high heat kind of lights. Most of them the cooler lights and a lot of fluorescence, a lot of LEDs and what have you. Right. So solar on some of the studio buildings. That's correct. But what what I still don't, what I think we are, right, what I think we are less efficient on is the trailers that are on the yes. lot and they if they could find a way to put panels on those trailers mm-hmm. that makes it safe 
practical is a better word for when they transport the trailers back mm-hmm. and forth. Um, but I've heard from the Teamsters that run those those trailers that it's hard for them to generate enough power for a hair and makeup trailer. And for those of you listeners who haven't been in one, a hair and makeup trailer takes so much energy because of all the light. Two hundred amps. The, I'm going to pick a number. I think I'm close to it. That's a lot of. That's like a house because there's so many curlers and, and the blow hair dryers. dryers. Yeah. I mean, I remember when you talked about do you have to get on your bike to to work and right. ride it more just for her hair to, for yeah. her to blow dry her hair. And imagine six or eight people having their hair blow dried within a day. And if Elon Musk's panels become smaller right. and more efficient, maybe yeah. that will. You know, it won't be a pipe dream. But at the can, very least, you can put them up now and lessen the demand, you know, right. have one of those net metering setups and what have you. So even though you can't run the whole trailer, you can run a, th- a quarter of it, a third of it, an eighth of it, something, mm-hmm. and give you a little more flexibility. When the power goes out, sometimes you'd still have enough power to light up the trailer at least. Right, yeah. right. And when you're in Southern California, this is a resource that is is pretty much available all the time, mm-hmm. is this sun. Something else that I've noticed um, is I'm doing a, a series for Netflix now called The Ranch. And it's Ashton Kusher, who's very environmentally invested. I mean, he really is. And uh, his castmate, Danny Masterson, and our director, David Trainer. When I walked along where the, that group of people park, all Teslas. Really? The Teslas. Yeah. God bless them. Maybe God. be paying them some They're money. They're paying them some money. Good. They are, but these people have chosen to put their money. They could, exactly. Yeah. They could get a Lamborghini, but they went and got a Tesla. God That's bless great. them. You know, Sharon, we're talking about solar and what you can do that's socially responsible with your money. What if you could help combat global climate change and make money at the same time? Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Well, you can do that and get up to 8.5% annually. I want to introduce you to Wunder Capital. That's W-U-N-D-E-R Capital, the award-winning online investment platform that allows individuals to invest in solar energy projects across the U.S. Wunder's online investment platform allows you to earn up to 8.5% annually while diversifying your portfolio, cutting pollution, and combating global climate change. In the first year alone, the solar projects that Wunder Capital helped to finance in 2016 will offset the CO2 emissions from 2,791,823 pounds of coal burned. And best of all, Wunder Capital doesn't take any fees for investing your money. Create an account for free at wundercapital.com begley. That's W-U-N-D-E-R capital.com begley. And you'll learn more about this wonderful organization that is the best of socially responsible investing. Wonder Capital, do well and do good. Look at the sun out there right Mm -hmm. now. It's blazing. And so I've got, and this is February right now, but I've got nine kilowatts of solar that is probably right now putting out about eight kilowatts. I'm going to go out and limb. He always says kilowatts, like I know what that is. Well, that's enough to run a house, honey. Eight kilowatts is enough to run a house. We have nine. For a day or for how long? Well, it depends. If it's sunny all day, yes, you can store enough. If you have batteries, we do not have batteries yet. We just have what they call net metering, but we spin the meter backwards to a tune of 30, 40 kilowatt hours a day. And so then you wind up using only 20, 25, maybe 30 kilowatt hours a day. You mm-hmm. have 10 kilowatt hours in the bank for those cloudy days that come another part of the year, another part of the week, another part of the day. So you, even without batteries nowadays, which makes it a lot more economical for most folks not having to buy batteries, you just spin the meter backwards, spin it mm-hmm. forward and get a bill for the net, which is very little. So this brings up a topic that I need some education on. How is it that our municipal, our power companies 
are able to squeeze the solar initiatives to such a degree that it's made it harder for people to actually access them. They have for years. Now they're getting better at it. The DWP is, first of all, getting off coal at a very nice clip. They're doing that part well. They're still using a fair amount of natural gas generation, and all the coal that they do buy is out of state, so that's polluting somebody else's backyard, but it's still polluting. But they've invested in a lot of rooftop solar and a lot of large-scale solar, like the convention center size kind of areas. So they're doing that. You know, it's getting better. They used to be really obstructionist about it. When I put my system in in 1990, it had to be a standalone system. There was no such thing as net metering. They didn't want you feeding into their grid. They didn't want that dirty power, so they thought. Turns out that power is every bit as clean and reliable as anything that they make. So now it's, it's a different day, and some utilities are allowing it, some are promoting it, and some are, you're correct, quite obstructionist about it. That's right. unfortunate. Right, in other states, what is it, maybe in, is it Arizona? That's, I, I don't know. I There's a lot of like utilities across the country that just still don't believe in solar. A lot of them, though, have gotten religion about wind because it is very reliable for a lot well, of the day. Wyoming, that Guy Anschultz is going to exactly. invest in a mm-hmm. wind farm. And Nebraska, is, and yeah. Illinois has a lot of wind. And right. uh New Mexico has a lot of wind and solar. You know, a lot of the states are waking up to a Texas, you know, very, mm-hmm. you know, red state Texas has a tremendous amount of wind and they're using it. They're not just talking <laughs> about it. They're putting it up. <laughs> we say even Texas. It has a lot of wind. A lot of, There's yeah, lots of ways. Lots of ways you can go with that. Well, you know what? I want to touch on something because you, you're from the South, like I'm from the South. You're from North Carolina, right? And I'm from Georgia. And, but you got your degree in journalism mm-hmm. at UNC. And with all the fake news going on uh, now, um, is there anything the media can do to bring light to these issues without you know, increasing the divide in our country, in your opinion? Or? You know, one of the, from what I understand, one of the encouraging trends in environmental advocacy or, yeah, advocacy is really the right word, mm-hmm. is through religious uh, organizations that are understanding more uh, that stewardship right. in this day and age requires accepting that the climate needs our consciousness. Even if you don't believe that humans are the most Im- important contributing factor to the rise in temperatures, at least you understand that as humans, we are uh, responsible for making choices to help ameliorate that. And these new religious leaders are able to accept that and bring that into what their their outreach is to Mm -hmm. their congregations and understanding that stewardship of the planet is part of of a faith-based life. And that's very encouraging to me to understand. And I think if you open that door up, then perhaps media that's covering that right. um, sector of our political landscape is able to have a healthy debate about it mm-hmm. and uh, at least open some minds while they're opening hearts. Yes. I- I'm seeing a trend now. I mean, even on CBS this morning, they had uh, one of the, the journalists down in Antarctica talking about the the crack in the ice sheet and how there's penguins down there that didn't used to be there because these, these are warm climate penguins versus the 
so the things that have changed down there. So I, I know when CBS starts having these specials and then, you know, mainstream media has it that, you know, things are starting to, at least people are de wanting to hear this conversation again. We sort of took for the last, it feels like the last eight years have been, the media just didn't want to hear it. I think the title that Al Gore chose for his slideshow and his movie was a good one. It's an inconvenient truth. People don't want to believe it. They're like alcoholics in denial. Mm -hmm. All these yeah. bad things that they see happening. I got fired. That boss is such a jerk. Mm -hmm. That wife is such a bitch. She divorced mm -hmm. me. You know, that cop was such a ball buster. I can't believe he cited me for that. There comes a point where all these bad things are happening and then you realize why they're happening. They're happening because you're in denial about your addiction. It's a very common theme, and I think you know, I have a certain amount of sympathy for people that are in this kind of denial, but at some point, you've got to wake up and see you have to make a change. You're going to have very dire consequences. It's not just going to be a DUI and a divorce. You're going to wind up dead behind the wheel, and we have to do something now because climate change is, according to all the scientists I'm talking to, quite severe, and it's already being felt in Miami. There's a rise there and a surge that's really putting parts of Miami underwater, and uh, we need to do something, and I mean now, and when you think about it, even if they were wrong, these 98% of the scientists, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? You're going to have a lot of American jobs putting up wind turbines and solar panels. You're going to clean up the air in Houston, Bakersfield, and L.A., many other cities, and you can eventually save money because it's now gotten cost-effective with solar and wind. So that's the worst-case scenario if you're wrong, and the worst-case scenario on the other side is quite dire. Yeah, I'm just going to shift a, the, a little bit because um, you are a strong advocate for supporting women in the entertainment industry. Not that these are not mutually exclusive <laughs> things. I mean, I was named after Rachel Carson, some consider the mother of the environmental movement because she wrote that book, mm -hmm. Silence. I was definitely named after her. That's about as far as it went until I met Ed. But that's a whole nother, that's another episode. So we weren't allowed, we weren't able to elect a female president, which is... I'm just going to say it, very disappointing for me. So we do need leadership. We continue the fight. Um, I personally think women are, are the only hope we have for this. But what is your view? So you're involved in these organizations. What it, which ones? Women in film? And can you speak to We For She? I don't know this one. We For She, well, I will um, start by saying, you know, I don't know that for me it's about whether or not it's a woman in the White House. I just want somebody who values values women well yes yes who who has a feminist <laughs> yes. appreciation and right. doesn't think that that's a negative right. and what's exciting is that i see leadership coming up through the ranks some of them are women some of them are men that this won't even be a, a reach for them mm -hmm. that it's that it's just part of their the way that, that they see the world and that will inform their education policy. That will inform, you know, everything. So I'm, I have hope for that. And, and I think in this upcoming election in, in um, 2018, we should be looking at candidates that are already using that as one of their priorities, that not using that, but that is right. proven to be Standing a priority. That, yeah. mm -hmm. And part of the way we accomplish that is by telling more stories that include female points of view, right. which is why I was first interested in women in film, which has been around for 40 years now, mm -hmm. and really helped break the glass ceiling at the executive level. Women's studio heads and, and at networks and at um, agencies, talent agencies, 
And those are more corporate sort of driving factors. But in terms of the women who are creating the stories and are given access and inclusion in what's produced and what's seen and distributed, um, television is such a powerhouse right now. It, not just because it reaches mm-hmm. all of us so much more easily, but because we are in an age where, as you know, I'm sure your listeners know, it's the quality is so high. Yes. And we can um, absorb this, this programming in so many different ways. And We For She is all about female television writers and directors. Oh, cool. We have created meaningful tools mm-hmm. that move these creators' content forward. What, what we're working on right now, what we've just released um, last week, is our Write Her List. And you can find it on the weforshe.org website. And it is a log line of female written and driven uh, pilot scripts. They're unproduced right now. So if you're a producer listening to this, you'll find a selection from the 120 or so that we received Mm -hmm. um, submissions for. And we've, we've read them and curated them and they're ready to go. You know, they are, they are material that you're going to want to see like a blacklist for feature films, but it's for television pilots. Our director program pairs directors, women that have done at least one episode of television. What's important is that we're pairing them with an established director and these emerging directors, not only, they're not just, um, shadowing or, 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 or watching what's going on. They are actually at the helm. They are getting the salary. They are getting the credit. That is important because it helps move the dial of our stats and where we stand in percentages in the industry forward. Right. When things are quantifiable and everything is now about metrics, is how can you measure it? Right, how can you measure it? And you yeah. can understand if you know if it's filtered in a way that you believe or not. But but we know that women aren't at, that haven't as many opportunities. But some of that's because we haven't made it a priority. And I think now the industry recognizes well, the we, value in you it. You and I have made it a priority. Right. right. <laughs> they haven't. And made the female it. and the yeah. executives are now too because we can show them numbers. But you know what? I also think we all vote with our po- pocketbooks. And I make it a point. I don't go to movies that don't have women in them. I just mm-hmm. don't. That's my dollar is valuable. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I hard earned, right, honey, Ed? Mm-hmm. And uh, he's fallen asleep at this conversation. <laughs> no, I haven't fallen asleep at all. I'm, I'm listening to every word. I can quote back what you said, kidding. honey. But um, because as a woman over 40, not that I'm far over 40, I'm actually quite far over 40, but I'm not represented. And I'm so grateful that you are still working not that you're old, but you, you know, so be, right. we need you role models. We need women like you telling the stories, being in there, you know. Yeah. Now, ageism is a, is a, a, a merging topic with this. Right. And there's Absolutely. so much that I'm excited about with how ageism is being sort of revealed and approached. And the fact is, it's not going away. There will be more people over... Yeah. 80 on the planet than under 10 in just about 40 years. So this is only going to require more of our attention. And there's a wonderful, uh, really smart gal named Ashton Apple White, who's going to be speaking at the TED conference in, um, in Vancouver in April. And she writes a great blog called This Chair Rocks. And it's all science-based in terms of stats. Mm -hmm. And it recognizes that um, the ism of any of these issues is what is our what what's keeping us divided: sexism, racism, mm-hmm. 
ageism. If we can know that they, they're all merged, especially in this progressive culture, then we can not silo them and, and, and start working on things together. Right. I believe that uh, women in the media are finding our voices stronger and louder. I, I don't, just like I believe that the emergence of a, of a director like Ava DuVernay, who mm, is, you know, a, so a, wonderful. A, a, you know, as she calls herself a unicorn, a black woman mm-hmm. director, black <laughs> yeah. female director, <laughs> will only mean that we'll develop more of a hunger for that. Right. Just like when Helen Mirren or any of these, these people achieve excellence, we want, we want more of that. And that's what markets will recognize too, you know, when they're making their choices about what goes on the air and what you choose to watch right. yourself. Yeah. Oh, well, your mouth of God's ears again. The future of public schools is really up in the air. Another segue I just did. Um, but, you know, school is everything, and public schooling is the majority of our country. They go to public schools, we think. Yeah. And so you went to public schools. I sure did. You know. You bet. Yep. And are you concerned about uh, how they'll be able to fund extra programs like the arts and now with our <laughs> new political... Yeah, yes. yeah. I, uh, I, I know that I would not have a career in this field if it wasn't for the arts, the commitment to the arts that those public schools in North Carolina had. And look, I'm now on the board of UNC Chapel Hill's Alumni Association, so I'm there, you know, four times a year listening to what our fantastic um, Chancellor Carol Folt is dealing with all the time about issues that our our, our very divided state legislature is has created for for the university. It's it's such a tough question. I don't have a kid in public school, so I don't know what it's like as a parent to face it. But I I do recognize that our our hope still lies in in public schools. And how do we give you know, a young person, the incentive to even get a higher education, if they feel like that education isn't valued, how is it that we show kids that we, we do invest in their future? I know that there's a a new school and all girls it's six through 12. So I don't know if that's Mm -hmm. considered, that's a high school, but it's more than a high school. It's middle and high high. school. And it's called the Los Angeles Academy and it's focusing on STEM and it's right wow. at Los Angeles High School, and I'm thrilled right. that these young girls get that kind of attention and focus and support. Because we've got some challenges coming up. Oh, we have challenges now, but we have some daunting world problems that need new creativity, and I, I really believe femininity. I mean, listen, you guys have had it. You've, you've done it. You've gotten us this far, but... <laughs> You're Give not getting chance. a fight from me, honey. I want you guys to take the helm for a while. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. That's okay. why. Right. And these girls, because their science interests and their willingness to, to you know, sort of be warriors mm-hmm. in academically is being rewarded by our public dollars going into that. Oh, hallelujah. So how do we balance that? You know, what is it that we are juggling? I believe in terms of making it a priority this is the big challenge because I don't know that this administration, mm-hmm. uh, I, mean, I believe here in the city that they do yes, and in the state God. that the they state. do. And we're, we're very lucky uh-huh. that in California, mm-hmm. it is it is a priority. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just to shift to your career a little bit, you have played a range of characters from attorneys, doctors, rather high-end prostitutes. Well, you we know. Stay-at-home prostitutes. End. Yes. That's <laughs> to it. throw in the prostitutes. Stay-at-home <laughs> prostitutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah she's, you know, just... 
in terms of your art, what are, what are the certain qualities you look for in a character or, or have the paycheck? Uh, no, I'm kidding. That's what I look for in the, in the <laughs> but, you know. Um, you know what? Satisfaction never really came to me based on just the, the, the money. That's for sure. Yeah. What it, what I'm finding more is, do I believe that the story is something that, that I'm proud to tell? And I was on an episode of Blue Bloods recently, which was interesting to me because I played a, a secretary of state, a deputy secretary of state, dealing with an immigration issue. Wow. And it was so timely. Wow. And I know Tom Selleck a little bit. And, you know, we are on different sides of, of the political spectrum. And, and so were these two characters. But I've always respected the way Tom runs his business mm-hmm. and um, he is such a pro. And one of the things that I know that that show does or is committed to is giving a balanced view of all of these issues that they take on. And I, I admired how they did that. And I guess that's what's driving me now is are these um, shows that I'm part of, are they investigating something that feels deeper and authentic mm-hmm. in a way? Some of them are small tiny little projects that are, you know, female driven. And for me, I'm giving back because I want to support a young sure. female director or my friend, Jenny Molin, who's a, you know, a female writer. It was at all, this was an ABC digital series that you can find now called, I like you just the way I am. It's based cool. on her book with a, all female producers, female director. So I'll choose based on that. If, if, if I can support mm-hmm. something like that. And sometimes it's because I, I like the statement and that it's, it's complex. I find that that's sort of something that I'm driven to is things that are not just simple, but right. There's some bold programming going on. There's a wonderful show called blackish. It's so funny. It's so inventive. It's so original. Mm -hmm. And they had an episode lemons. It was about very weighty matters and the way that they dealt with it was wonderful about the divisiveness we're now feeling. And they really, I think in a very fair manner dealt with that. It was very impressive for a sitcom to take that on and to nail it. I thought was both sides like like Norman Lear did exactly, you know, back in the day. And like he's doing now with that reboot of um, one day at a time. time. right. Right. And I'm, I'm so glad that I get to learn about people that I'm not with every day. You know, I saw this fantastic documentary, Girl Rising, which was all about education in small villages around the world and how investing in a girl changes the trajectory Mm -hmm. of not just her life, but investing in education for a girl. Everyone around. And Mm -hmm. the design of the film is that these young girls tell their story to a writer the writer then creates the script for it and then a female um a a director not always female but a director Mm -hmm. captures it on film and actresses like Salma Hayek and Kate Blanchett um give voice they narrate these beautiful stories now for me to see that Mm -hmm. the only way it would happen is is if that kind of media was accessible to me Right, absolutely. So finding ways to support things like mm-hmm. that is what I'm excited about, whether it's as an actor mm-hmm. or an advocate, finding a screening. You can, any civic group can have a screening of this film. Um, 
Girl Rising. And we then benefited Girls Inc. and Right Girl, which is a program that teaches girls in underserved communities how to write their stories down. It, it pairs professional writers with these girls. You can start that in any community that's hearing this podcast. Finding young people, particularly women, right. giving them voice is what's going to encourage them to run for office, to be right. good stewards mm-hmm. of their families, mm-hmm. to find ways to hold their faith and their confidence in themselves to grow to be the, the adults that will help us solve these problems. I, Do you know Gina Davis at all? Sure, yeah. What How she's about doing C. With Jane? Her. What yeah. a wonderful organization. And, and, the, and the Gina Davis Gender in the Media Institute. It's right. really wonderful because no. it's, again, using measurements to understand that this is when you can quantify it, you can change it. I had no idea until Gina brought it to my attention. Rarity of female characters, even in Sesame Street. I never really... You just have to see the statistics. You have to see the percentages. It's mind-blowing to see it. And And, uh, how underrepresented women are and girls are in... But I in really so many areas of entertainment and everything you can imagine. I really think that we can go this can go back to the environment i'm just going to bring it back in because i really believe like the woman who wrote that my namesake rachel carson i just think mother earth i think of mothering and taking care of and like you said i mean not that men don't do that they do and and more and more men are doing it every day thank god because we are all we're doing it together right we're Mm -hmm. doing it more in partnership Mm -hmm. well i just want to also just segue into a girly thing um but you know without one without your health you have nothing so you um are a gorgeous woman who is seemingly in beautiful health and fitness i mean you know i think you were a dancer and you've certainly kept your dancer figure i mean what do you do to i hate to say that we went from feminism to now how do you stay so pretty but no (laughs) (laughs) but we do want to (laughs) know i think actually recognizing that as a woman i have to do things differently than a man i have to work to keep my bones strong that's my challenge i do yeah that's true i can't take that for granted I have to be smart about how much sleep I get. That's a big one for me. I want great brain health. So right. that means Are you doing sleep. anything about that? Um, yeah, I do. I take, I take fish oil. I mean, I, I try to use my diet to get a lot of those uh-huh. things. I'm not vegan like you guys are. I'm not vegan. Because I, it's yeah, vegan. It's, I'm, I'm lazy and yeah. I'm a little lazy nope. for that. And more than that, I... I think it's just a matter of habit. And right. and you just served me some beautifully delicious vegan food. If I believed that I could get that all the time, I, you know, I would. And I think my husband would be more open to it also than I'm giving him credit for because he wants to cut out the meat in his diet because it's not good for his cholesterol. Mm-hmm. When you hit a certain, you know, age, you see what it is. I, I see my how my parents have handled their years. My dad had to cut back on meat. My mother was never really needed a lot of meat she she was the first person that taught me about eat right for your type and she really did believe that really? and she knew what made her feel better wow. wow and she walks every day she walks every day she goes to the mall they live in you know raleigh north carolina where it, the weather isn't yeah. great to walk outside mm-hmm. winter or summer she yeah. does that mall religiously and she's kept herself so so strong and her brain strong because of it too the i I ran into maria shriver at the um the women's march here in los angeles Mm -hmm. and she told me something that i hadn't really considered and that is that 
Because the numbers for Alzheimer's are growing so rapidly because of the aging population and just uh, factors that we don't really know. Toxins. Toxins, genetic um, uh, proclivities, Mm -hmm. why more um, women, uh, Latino and African-American women are, have a a tendency to get it. Does that mean Mm -hmm. diets Mm -hmm. is related? Um, it, it, it's complicated and we need more studies, but what we need to achieve those studies are, it goes back to sort of legis not like just legislation, but understanding that our whole system has to support this. We need days off of work for people to go and become part of clinical trials. Wow. That it can't just be someone who's already retired. retired And we need to be able to study brain health, normal, healthy brains Hmm. at every age and finding ways to speak to your congressman, your senator about including days off of work for this kind of study is important. And And it can't be taken advantage of. It has to be managed properly. But it's it's a barrier toward better science. Should be like jury duty exclusion, right. that kind of thing. Well, we know that um, men and women's science are, com- are very different. Women's physiology is, com- is different. We're just different. Mm-hmm. And yet all the research has been done on men. So that is a, a new push to yes. have women's yes. research. And being able to get, you know, paid, or if not just a paid day, just an opening in your life for right. it so that it can you can commit to it. And not have to fight to help answer these questions. Well, I just read something, an article recently about particulate uh, pollution and uh, being a problem for women with Alzheimer's. So particulate mm-hmm. pollution, meaning, you know, living near a freeway or, you know, having, uh, just being exposed. Or power lines. Right. Or, you know, who who, who knows? Or right. pesticides in the food. Or right. it's, uh, it's complicated. And the only way we'll really be able to right. crack that is people committing to these studies. And oftentimes you don't want to commit to a study. These early onsets or pre it's not just about are you going to be marked for Alzheimer's? Because it's a scary thing to find out. But as a healthy normal, using those right. markers to help improve our science. Absolutely. You know, one thing you did play in the Lifetime movie was a therapist. Um, this is another segue. Why do I keep segueing? Like maybe it's because written. You're doing a lovely job, honey. I love your. <laughs> you segues. are. You are. It's written. Um, which one are you talking about? In a. Life. Oh, you did a uh, starving in suburbia. Oh yeah. And you were dealing with anorexia and eating disorders. And, you know, another thing that plagues more women than men, Mm. you know. So just in terms of mental health, physical health, but we also have emotional health. And that's, Mm. you know, our uh, women on screen, our body image issues. You know, I I mean, I have a young, Mm -hmm. uh, I have a teenager who, you know, I, I, I had those issues and I was hoping that it wouldn't be passed on. And sure enough, of course, it's passed on. Our media, you know. So... How can you speak to this? I just want to be grateful for the the young women who can celebrate their imperfection as public figures. Mm-hmm. It's it's powerful, right? It's brave. It's hard, right? And there are so many v- versions of these, like Gina Rodriguez, right? Right. Who has embraced every part of her platform in Jane the Virgin to talk about body image and to talk about being a minority gal, whether it's, you know, Tracy Ellis Ross, who just talks about her, her, her body, you know, so refreshing. her booty, her body. Yeah. When we 
see role models. You know, Lena Dunham, controversial though she is, gave voice to the idea that your brain, you know, your brain is as valuable as as your physique. I know. And and will be admired and will be um, and will bring focus to you because a lot of young girls do think that their body's the only way they're going to get noticed. Well, and, and up get until attention. very recently and that even was, today, it was right. the only way. Right. I remember when Jamie right. Lee Curtis did that wonderful spread and I think it was Vanity Fair or some magazine like that about the photo shoot, the after and then the yeah. before. She did that. Right. It was just wonderful. Right. No makeup or No makeup, no yeah. nothing. And, and it was, it was gonna Alicia take Keys, yeah. yeah, the power that she has claimed. She was always talented, but when she said, "I'm, I'm not going to put on another layer between me and the world. It's just going to be me." Wow! And you can see it in her work. It was a shock at first, right, mm-hmm. to see, wow, what is, what's the statement about? And when I learned more about it, mm-hmm. what I saw was it was just her becoming more powerful and, and being brave in doing it. And she said it was an adjustment for her too, sure. but it's one that's worked for her well. Now, food issues, I think are, that, that starts so young, so, so early, so young. And uh, to be able to grow up as a kid, knowing that you've got healthy food choices and a parent that mm-hmm. like you all have given to your daughter is such an advantage. Um, not every place has the access to good, healthy food. And that's a really sad truth that an insulin dependency or diabetes, these issues that can happen in in these communities because the food that's there is so full of sugar and And, starch. And that's that's an unfair thing. It's like, you know, a Another way to underserved communities get polluted, right? And, but um, but you but you touched on. It. I think it um, as artists like Alicia and yourself and Ed and myself, we have to be willing to be vulnerable and willing to sort mm. of pull everything like Alicia and just and and take these huge risks. One to speak about not we are you know a lot of people give us crap about oh you're an artist just keep your political or keep yeah. your opinions to yeah. yourself. Yeah, and uh, you know to take. Risk. I reject that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I do. Me I'm a too. Person. We're citizens too. Yes. And more importantly, oh we pay you... taxes. Yeah. We vote. We are, yeah. and our opinion is not more important. It's, it's just... just that if part of what we do and risk is our viewpoints being taken seriously, right. and if you're careless with them, that's a problem. Yeah, you can't do that. But I. The problem I have, why I can't be quiet about it, it's like I'm a performer, I'm supposed to go out and do a song and dance on stage. I've got the mic and ready to go on. But just before that, the fire marshal comes up and taps me on the shoulder. We don't want to alarm anybody, but there's a, a fire smoldering in the basement. Row by row, you have to evacuate everybody. And now you want me to go out and do a song and dance? Yes. The fire marshal just talked to me. Yes. And that's who the NRDC is. Right. That's who the Union of Concerned Scientists right. is. That's who Henry Kendall, my friend, who discovered the quark. These are people who know about science and climate change and, and ozone depletion, these things. How can I be quiet after that? I yeah. can't. Shouldn't I care more about the health and safety of the planet than whether or not I'm on a series for Netflix? <laughs> yeah. I do. I do care more about that. <laughs> Me but too. I have every right that to care more about that. So that you can have a, a you know, have money so that you can give to these organizations and, and it's all it's all it, it's, it's all, all tied s- together, but symbiotic. it's hard to be quiet when you've heard well, the no truth reason from to be people quiet. who are clearly, experts. I'm not about yes. being quiet I have a not just podcast. something I heard on the internet somebody with PhD after their name that's what I'm right. talking about and people. thank you for being a a voice of reason as to as to knowing who it is that we should pay our um, attention 
too. Right. right. And that's something that you, you know, you've, you, there's a credibility behind what you said because you've taken the time and energy and focus to be trusted. Right. And you talked about vulnerability. It's, um, I'm to the point now in my life that I'm not as worried about what the impression is. I'm more concerned with what I see coming behind me. Mm-hmm. Not so much my influences. Who can I look to in the future and be inspired by and support? And it's, you know, it is the young people that I feel hopeful about and um, responsible to. Right. Me too. Well, it was very exciting a few weeks ago at the Women's March here in Los Angeles that you said you attended. I certainly did. But it, all over the world it's happening. Yeah. So it is an exciting time. And, you know, I mean, we just touched on a few topics, but there's so much more we could talk about. And I know you have a busy life, so I'm going to probably yeah. wrap this up. But <laughs> And I know it was really serious <laughs> and all of that. But it's, you know. That's good. As I'm, what, what's, what to me has been, as I'm sitting here talking, I get this view of your beautiful oak groves and the hills here and the, what you've done with your place is, is inspiring. And, and it is evergreen here in the Begley household. And I am grateful that you continue well, to, to, to use your, your uh, bounty and your gifts. We're grateful to us. know you and work with you low these right. many years, Sharon. You're a real hero of mine, so thank you so yeah, much. Thank My you pleasure. for always. I mean, literally, it, well, when we show up, you show up. And, you know, that is that is integrity, and that is something that is just admirable. And, you know, the more we have it, the more things are going to get done, period. Yeah. And we you meet know? great people through you, like Mud Baron, yeah. our friend who's running Mud the John Baron. Muir exactly. um, garden program. Those kind of things get me excited and me make too. me feel better. Right. Yeah. Simple There's stuff, stuff that right. makes economic sense, stuff, stuff that makes environmental sense. It's a win-win. Yeah. So and there's hope. You bet. So on that, I'm just going to thank you so much, Sharon, for taking the time to chat with us today. And where can our listeners find you on the internet? On uh, Twitter, at Sharon Lawrence. Instagram is a little different. It's Sharon E. Lawrence. That stands for Elizabeth, my middle name. Um, Those are the best places to get me because all the stuff that I am excited about shows up there. Okay, terrific. Yeah. So, and I follow I, you. You always have great stuff that I see oh, on Twitter. Oh, you're kind to say. And I'm, I'm, I will say, Heal the Bay, as a board member, I'm so um, honored this year that I will be one of the honorees for our Back to the Beach. Good. You oh, deserve it. Hey, I didn't it's know that. It's exciting. Okay, yeah. we'll, we'll be, go, we'll be there. Going. Right, yeah, right, right. Sure. And that's in May. So, uh, We're buying you know, seats. Anybody Thanks that, for yeah, telling sure. us. Yeah. Thank awesome. you. Thank you. Thank you, Sharon, for coming. We certainly learned a lot today, but here are some of the main lessons we want to highlight. Number one, we're all connected, so we need to care. Number two, take risks. Even if it doesn't work, something else might work out. It might just inspire someone else. Number three, making a change is a group effort. That's why it's important to educate others and spread awareness. Number four, we should try to open minds while opening hearts. Number five, support what excites you. Help give a voice to someone who can help solve these problems. So that wraps up our episode for this week. And thank you for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to Begley Ask on iTunes for more episodes. Support the show by leaving a rating and a review. We'd love to know what you think. Do a little, do a lot. Just do something today and tell us what you did. Thank you to our executive producer, Tim Street, and producer, Emma Kikuchi. This podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye now.